Coming up, Brett Hudson wrapping up game one, a walk-off win for Mississippi State, followed by a few of my thoughts on how it went down last night at the College World Series. Hey, what's up? Matt Wyatt here. This Dogpile podcast is brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land. Visit them online, mslandbank.com. Also, by Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point. Go by and visit George and Luann and the folks at Jubilations. Stop into the coffee house right on Highway 45 in West Point. You can watch cheesecakes being made. And while you're there, take some home. And a special thanks to High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany. Dan the Coffee Man and the folks there at High Point Roasters. They keep me stocked up with coffee. You can ask my family. They hear that coffee grinder running at about 4.30 in the morning, and then I pour that first cup. It just gets things started right. Trust me on this. Get your coffee at High Point Roasters. Highpointroasters.com. better place to be in the world than right there on that dog pile. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dog Pile. I am Brett Hudson, coming to you very, very late. Uh, what used to be Sunday night is now Monday morning after Mississippi State. They, they just keep doing the dang thing. They score four runs in the bottom of the ninth to win their first game of the 2019 College World Series, 5-4. to four. Marshall Gilbert is your hero. We're going to get into all of that. But we do want to let you know that bef- while our sp- podcast is always sponsored by Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point and Mississippi Land Bank, that our travel here to Omaha was made possible by High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany. Go to highpointroasters.com. You can get free shipping on your order of three or more bags. This is the oldest coffee operation in the state of Mississippi. This is where you need to go. Follow Dan the Coffee Man on Twitter at Dan the Coffee Man. And as Dan always says, and it's advice I'm going to be taking a lot over this next week plus, I think, stay caffeinated, my friends. Uh, to get back to Marshall Gilbert, the hero of a 5-4 to four win, Sunday night. I've got a story on him posted on the website right now. So go to mattwhitemedia.com, uh, find the blog, the Hudson Report there. Follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio White, all your ways to get it right there. So I've got a full story on the hero of the day. Um, go check that out. But I, I find him so interesting because he grinds his tail off. That's almost a direct quote from Jake Mangum. But when it's time to create the fruits of that labor, he's shockingly chill, I guess is the word for it. Workhorses like him, they usually get to these moments and finally, and they kind of form this finally, let's let's make this happen attitude. But he gets there and he's so relaxed about it. He just comes in with a, what will be is what will be attitude. And it's honestly, it's kind of hard to truly understand. I mean, I, I know I can speak about myself this way, and I'm assuming most people could use yourself as an example. If you ever worked for something and worked hard for something, you've gotten to the moment where you could make it a reality and said, hey, man, whatever happens, happens. Let's just see how this plays out. Have you ever done that? I know I haven't. And I'm, I'm assuming you haven't either. You get headstrong 
right? Or at least I do. You get ultra determined. Man, this is what I worked for. I'm ready to let that work shine. Let's make this happen. But this is Marshall. This is who he is. It makes him such a fascinating person to be around and to cover. And it clearly works for him. So more, t- more power to him. But anyway, those are just some of my thoughts on Marshall as a person, as a player. There's a bunch more in that story. Y'all, y'all check that out, please. Uh, but we will let you hear from the man himself, giving you Marshall Gilbert coverage in three forms. Me talking about him, me writing about him, and now directly from his mouth. Here he is walking through that game-winning at-bat. Well, I went up there, and first of all, I was in awe by everybody that was able to get the job done before me. It was incredible the fact that we could get to that point to where I was coming up to the plate. And, uh, you know, all that bats prior to that, I had kind of been a little off, missed some pitches. And I just kept getting encouragement from my teammates saying, keep going, keep going, don't quit. And then my last at-bat going up there, I kind of didn't even – I knew uh, he was going to have a good fastball. I knew that they were going to keep him in the game and save it for me because I had struggled with Velo against Green Hill before. So I was just looking to get the job done, get on top and stay short, like something I've been doing all, all year. Clearly, this game was not an easy nine innings for – the Bulldogs by any stretch of the imagination. This was a grind and a grind that Mississippi State's bats embraced, even if they almost never got success at the end of that grind up until the very end. Chris Lamonis knows how this lineup found that quality, and Marshall Gilbert has his own idea. Jay Gotro's done such an unbelievable job with our offense this year of instilling just the grinder mentality and, and wearing people out and putting balls in play. And we were a little frustrated tonight. I mean, it really wasn't typical of us for the first so many innings. And you can tip your hat to to their pitching for that. But um, in that ninth inning, that was us. That's what we do. I'd say that it comes from day one that we started. It was, I'll throw it back to the conditioning test when we all showed up. And, you know, everybody had to pass it in order to get to practice and be able to work with everybody. And I said from day one, it's kind of the point where you just can't count us out. There's never a point where somebody's not locked in or somebody's not bought into what we got going on. And I think that in order for us to have that kind of grit, it takes everybody, including people that maybe don't get the start, but at some point they're going to have to come in and make that play and just you know having the trust that somebody's going to go out there and give everything that they have and is bought into what we're doing. Now, folks, let's take this game for what it is. It's Nickel Black's magic. We all know it. Let's accept it. This is the world we live in now, where black Mississippi State baseball uniforms are the rulers of the free universe, and we have to succumb to their will, period. That's where we're living. We might as well make peace with it. Ethan Small made it clear in the locker room that he was peer pressured into wearing them. He really didn't want to, and straight up will not do it again. Made that perfectly clear as well. Jake Mangum, on the other hand, was pretty pleased with his persuasive abilities, if you want to call them that. And he had some fun discussing the matter after the fact, even bringing a friend into the shenanigans. Plumley, come over here. Answer that question. I don't know, man. All right. So he just asked, does it, does it, what does it mean to us when we put the All Blacks on? Because this man's pitching the All Blacks enough. He raises a what, what? What is the difference? Like, what happens when you walk to the Blacks? Well, the biggest thing I think I've noticed is that when you wake up on a Sunday, everyone feels a little bit dangerous. And then you put on the clean black and you know there's only one. This was our last Sunday game, no matter what. It was only fitting to let the Blacks go out the right way. 
We're going to wrap with this. Believe it or not, there was actually another baseball game played on Sunday. Uh, I know you wouldn't believe that with the madness that was the Mississippi State game, but there was one before, and it was Vanderbilt beating Louisville 3-1. to The Commodores did it on the back of two home runs from third baseman Austin Martin, and Vandy coach Tim Corbin had an interesting quote on how this happened for him. Doing better academically, centering, I mean that. Brain, development of the brain. It's the one reason kids come to college. I think if once you, you start to understand routine, you start to understand mental organization, then you start to understand what success is. And it's just doing a lot of small things right on a, on a daily basis. And he, he's done that. I, I can't tell you he was always there. Now he's always a competitor. That's from his parents. Uh, that's innate. But how he's been able to develop as a person and baseball player is very much the development of his brain. So with Sunday's results being the case, Mississippi State's next game will be against Vanderbilt, scheduled for a 6 p.m. Tuesday start. They'll follow, on, they'll follow an elimination game earlier that day between Auburn and Louisville. The schedule for Monday is as follows. We'll say goodbye to one team in the tournament as Texas Tech and Arkansas play an elimination game at 1. And Michigan plays Florida State at 6. After that, Mississippi State will practice in the morning. So I'll head out to that, get some updates, some starting pitching news, out of the Bulldogs. Chris Lamonis is expected to tell us who he's going to start on the mound for the Tuesday game against Vanderbilt. Um, and we'll get some news out of the Bulldogs in that regard. And we'll have another episode of Dogpile for you tomorrow. Until then, appreciate y'all listening. Appreciate y'all riding this ride with us at Matt Wyatt Media. And we're, we're going to keep it going as long as the baseball team tells us to. All right. Thanks, Brett. Great job as always. No need for me to say that. Uh, but it just is Brett working his butt off. Making sure that uh, you, the listener to Dogpile Podcast, kind of have everything you need there. Locker room sound, post-game press conference sound, all that kind of stuff. And uh, So y'all make sure you let Brett know that you appreciate his effort in um, Omaha this week, as well as let our sponsors know. Uh, they enjoy hearing from you. Mississippi Land Bank. On Twitter, they are at MS Land Bank. And uh, also Jubilation's... Cheesecakes, Jubilations Cheesecakes. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at Jubilations Inc. And of course, High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany. And uh, Dan the Coffee Man, Dan Skinner. Y'all look him up on Twitter, Dan the Coffee Man. Of course, they are HP Roasters uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, appreciate the care package too, Dan. I know you're listening. Very much appreciate that. I'm going to put some of this coffee in Brett's hands, and we're going to give some away and just appreciate everything from you. So I wanted to jump in here myself before we wrap it up. A few thoughts on the game last night for me. I I, um, am not there. Had some surgery back on Friday, kind of recovering, doing well, Um, looking for an opportunity to hit the road and head out that way um, when everything, you know, kind of works out. So I'm like, yeah, I'm watching a lot of it on television. State doubled up Auburn in hits last night. State five runs on 12 hits, Auburn four runs on six hits. There were a lot of errors in the game. Both teams committed errors. But State left a lot of people on base, obviously, with those 12 hits. So for me, as you're watching the game, I think everybody, you could see it. When you have a four-run ninth inning, you know, you come back and win one four runs in the ninth, You, it's pretty obvious that throughout the game, you just didn't have the timely hitting. And this was one of those games. Lots of people on base, bunch of hits, putting the ball in play. But some of their hardest hit balls were right at people. You think about early in the game with runners on base, uh, Tanner Allen 
drives one to left center, but it's warning track. He hit it really hard. You know, you think about later in the ballgame, State had the bases loaded for Westberg and just hits an absolute rocket oppo right at the right fielder. Just hit it right at him. Guy never even had to move. Like, it's a rocket shot. And, you know, if that ball is 20 feet to the left, it skips one hop to the wall. It's hit so hard, but he just hit it right to a guy. So they had some of that going on, hitting it right at people and left the people on base. But as the players talked about after the game, it's one of those things where you've watched this team so many times throughout the year figure out a way, whether it's in the fifth or the sixth or the eighth or the ninth, to come back from behind. And they've done it so much. And listen, I've experienced this as an athlete, too. When you when you experience it as a group, as teammates, uh, enough times of coming from behind to win a game, you have this calm about you regardless of what the situation is. And it helps you to be able to put together those clutch at-bats or whatever the case is in any sport late in a game to uh, to win a game from behind. They've done it so much. And last night, because... They led the country and come from behind wins throughout the year. Even in the ninth inning, there was just no freak out going on. They got a veteran dugout over there. All these seniors coming to the plate. Cole Gordon on the mound. Here's Cole speaking to that that idea of confidence, even in any situation, regardless of how many outs are left. Here's Cole Gordon talking about that after the game. No matter the situation, if you give our offense one more chance to swing the bats and keep it close, um, that's what they can do. That's what they're capable of. Uh, watched him do it all year, um, and I'm just excited. It's just a comfort knowing as a pitcher, if you can just hold it where it is, our offense is going to give us a chance. They've given us a chance every game this year. I'm um, kind of the same thing as Mac, too. I uh, Going into that last inning, I knew if I kept it there, I just had the same feeling as Florida State a couple, last year, and just like, man, our offense can do this. Like We're never out of a game despite the situation, the inning, how many outs. Uh, that's what having a good offense can do for your ball club. You know, another thing is – Mangum going up there in the ninth and and getting a hit when you absolutely have to have it. Now, obviously, he's not the only one, but he started it. And he's he's the starter for this team. It is an absolute surprise to no one. It is a it is not a surprise to anyone that they have a four-run inning and it started with a Mangum double. And the team knows it. And they spoke about it too. Elijah Mack and me at the podium last night. Big hit Mack. He had a big hit in the inning. You know, he had the double uh down the line that that kind of got it started after um you know, there's one out in the inning, but you got two guys on base, and he goes and doubles down the left field line. Mack and me at the podium after the game points directly to Jake Mangum and says when he goes out, he's our leadoff guy, and he was the Reason for the energy. Energy was the word he used. Here's Elijah McNamee. No, Coach Lim said when we got that first dude on, it was a little, um, you know, relief. Even though we were still down, it felt like there was a little confidence seeing our leadoff man get on. Um, he's the best leadoff in the nation. So when we got the energy from him, it started to flow through the team, and, you know, it came out at the end. You know, and so it, that starts it. Mangum doubles. Uh, Allen walks. Uh, there's one out in the inning. And here comes McNamee in that situation, and you've just seen it so much from Elijah McNamee. You just know that he's going to probably get the hit, and he does, <laughs> um, that he needed. And and it's obvious that even with all that, the deficit was big enough that it required some mistakes by Auburn to get it done. Yeah, I mean, it did, and they made mistakes. Um, 
you know, not so much on the mound, but, you know, you did. They did walk Allen there in that situation and put two on for McNamee. They did have the the uh, the third baseman, Julian, that, that threw the ball away on what should have been that last out, you know, that allowed the tying run to score. And all the kind of melting down there on the infield for Auburn in that last inning. And after the game, Butch Thompson, head coach of Auburn, talked about that. Basically what he said was for eight and two-thirds innings, they played winning baseball. They were just one play away. Our guys just really battled against arguably 2019's best starting pitcher in college baseball and really worked the pitch count. Of course, Edward Julian had the first uh, big swing and then had the, uh, I guess, the third run on an RBI. Um, but I, I think you would have to give a lot of credit to Rankin Woolley. I know he got on before him. Um, the home run and the, the RBI is what you notice, but Woolley got on both times right in front of him. Um, I, I thought Coach Smith did an amazing job with our, our pitching staff and just knowing where we're at and coming out of the Super Regional on where our guys' um, pitch counts were at, watched them close this week. And, of course, we devised a different plan today to piece it together, and I thought everybody really competed within the strike zone uh, for the most part. And uh, for eight and two-thirds, I just thought everybody associated did a nice job. And then we had a chance to win the baseball game. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And just uh, one play away tonight. So Skelton, you know, reaches after the throwaway. He goes over to second base. McNamee's over uh, at third. The run scored. They put Rowdy Jordan on base. And they're going to pitch to the DH, which at the time is Halter. And you get a pinch hit, put Hatcher at the plate, and it's a really good, flexible move in that situation by Chris Lamonis. Total confidence in a left-handed hitter on his bench to put him in there and go lefty versus righty, and it worked out. And Hatcher didn't hit it hard. He chopped it on the infield, but you know he manages to load the bases there for Gilbert, who Gilbert goes up. I, you know, people complain about the announcers, but they were absolutely dead on accurate that in that situation, um, they were already saying, you know, you got a hard thrower on the mound who's going to throw you that fastball. You got to go up there and look for it right off the bat and, you know, and hunt that fastball. And he just absolutely, it worked out. <laughs> Throws him fastball, kind of, you know, middle in a little bit, but able to stay inside of it, hit it hard back up the chute. And it's true. He hit it hard. But if the pitcher doesn't deflect it with his glove back up the middle a little bit, it probably is a chopper to the second baseman. They get the out, and you go to extra innings. So that's kind of the way it worked out. But afterwards, uh, reporters, they they threw a question at the players, and Gilbert was really the first one to answer it, I guess, about the gritty nature of this team. That was the word used by the reporter, the gritty nature of this team and where that comes from. Where did it start? What was the genesis of this team becoming a team that can can just outgrit and outgrind other teams and come from behind? I'd say that it comes from day one that we started. It was kind of, I'll throw it back to the conditioning test when we all showed up, and you know everybody had to pass it in order to get to practice and be able to work with everybody. And I said from day one, it's kind of the point where. You just can't count us out. There's never a point where somebody's not locked in or somebody's not bought into what we got going on. And I think that in order for us to have that kind of grit, it takes everybody, including people that maybe don't get the start, but at some point they're going to have to come in and make that play and just you know having the trust that somebody's going to go out there and give everything that they have and is bought into what we're doing. All right, so you look at it, small 
does not get the win, doesn't get the decision. That went to Cole Gordon, who he's now 5-0. and But Small, I, you know, I, what, he tied a season high for runs allowed in the game with three, three earned runs, but two of those on one big swing by Julian, who just crushed that baseball in the second or third inning, whatever it was. But his pitch count got up, so he throws 102 pitches in five innings. But to me, so when it's not just the most clean outing, right, it's not the cleanest outing for Ethan Small, I mean, to me, still, this is a sign of a great pitcher. So he's had 102 pitches in those five innings, but he only gives up three hits. Now, three runs, three earned runs on those three, they only tag him for three base hits, one of those a two-run home run. And he's got um, eight strikeouts to go with it. Now, the three walks are the reason, really, that it's an, not as clean an outing for Ethan, but the truth is he had some calls that didn't go his way. You know, he didn't ever really lose his cool on that kind of stuff. They squeezed him. I don't really know why, but the umpire kind of squeezed him a few times in some critical situations, frankly. But still to go out there when it's not as clean, 102 pitches, five innings, still you've only given up three hits in the ball game. That's why State had a chance to win is because on a night when Auburn went out there and, and put some good at-bats together after that first two innings, really, um, he didn't melt. He just had the confidence. He still goes and gets eight strikeouts, gets a ground ball double play, you know, three ground outs. And the three walks is really kind of what made his pitch count run on up there. But then out of the bullpen, you just can't say enough about Self and Lee Belt and Gordon going out there to combine for four innings and giving up a grand total of three hits. You know, the one run on Lee Belt, but he goes out and strikes out. And Gordon to throw an inning and strike three guys out. You just can't say enough about the job the bullpen did to hold it where they did. So at the plate, Mangum is two for four in the win. McNamee's two for five. Skelton, two for four. Uh, you look at RBIs, nobody had multiples, but McNamee, Foscue, Halter, and Gilbert all drove in runs. A couple doubles in the game for Mangum and Allen. And uh, at the plate, State, they drew six walks. And Auburn was only able to strike State out three times, and that's a big part of it also. Again, Auburn did a great job getting out of it with runners on base throughout the game, but some of that's luck. I Still, I go back to Westberg, who just ropes a baseball with the bases loaded, but he hit it right to the right fielder. So a lot of that 11 left on base was, and guys, they're putting the ball in play, hitting it hard, they just didn't hit it in the right spots, and, and some of that's just luck. Um, so at any rate, it's just an incredible kind of, um, way to watch State win a game. The fact that they walked off uh, their game one win last year in the College World Series, the fact that that was their, um, you know, the, the kind of the spark that got them going last year, and then turn around and walk off their first game in the College World Series this year, it's just incredible. And it's the same thing we keep saying about this team is that you just could not make it all up. You just couldn't make it up. All right, that'll wrap it up for Dogpile. Again, appreciate Brett Hudson. I'm Matt. We'll see you on the next one. See ya.